0: to the church of roy a sports drink original podcast Morning today's show may include adult language and we're here your hosts brian wilcox and steve Dewald. welcome everybody summer break is over for the church of roy we are back i am your host steve dewald after a couple weeks off uh, i am joined as always by my co-host brian wilcox brian how are you doing today
1: not bad, man. I, I would be amiss to mention that we did record a pod a couple of weeks ago, but during technical difficulties, uh, didn't quite hit the airwaves. So it turned it <laughs> in, it turned into an extended break for, for I, the pods.
0: I want to be clear. Uh, uh, we did not record a podcast. We had we had a podcast for two, and I did not hit record the second time we we started up. I uh, I wanted to redo the intro. And, and I didn't hit record again. So we just had a one that went right into the ether. Um, I was shot,
1: shot the shit for an hour. It was
0: great. I'm pretty convinced it might be, if not our best show, at least in our top three, and no one will ever get to hear it. So uh, unfortunately, it will live on in our imaginations. And uh, you know, maybe someday, We'll, we'll find a way maybe i can i can talk to maybe my tiktok app and see if it was just listening and maybe there's a recording Somebody's on listening. there yeah maybe i'll talk to my nice uh national security agent see if he's got a backup copy of it so it's um, weird
1: i think that's happened twice and those are probably two of our best episodes so yeah i think oh, the, fir- the first time uh, was like not pretty, a
0: first time was pretty early on and i think what what happened there was like i it was like uh it was converting and my computer crashed and that it just never recovered. So, um, so perfect though. That's the history of church of Roy, um, recording difficulties, but we do have a show. We do have some housekeeping to get to right off the bat. Since the last time we've spoke, the blazers have started to fill out their training camp roster. Um, they've had signed three players to training camp deals, um, all three of these players are eligible for a two-way contract just based on their experience. Now one is significantly older than the other two, but they Mm -hmm. judge judging by their NBA experience, they are eligible for a two-way contract. So let's get into those. Um, There is an incentive to come to Portland to play hard. I think there is, there is a slot they are going to use. So first off is the rookie Jared Roden from Seton hall. Um, went undrafted this year uh what i do like about him is he is six foot six at the guard spot so a lot of size there comparatively to this roster um played for the kings in summer league this year started 72 games over four years at seton hall averaged 15.5 points per game last year is only a career 31.2 percent three-point shooter so definitely size um some scoring ability. I don't really have a a, a book on him and not a player I scouted too awful much in this process. Um, But again, youngest guy on this list, fresh out of college is a two-way contract option. Uh, Brian, be honest. Have you heard of Jared Roden before the Blazers signed him?
1: Negative. Never. Um, (laughs) I've been, I've been on, I've been on summer break, Steve. So I don't even really know much about him except that he's six, six and he's a guard. So yep, How did he play for Sacramento? Any idea?
0: Uh, I think he averaged about 10 points per game. Uh, I don't know how much he actually played, though. Um, uh, more
1: than been... Shaden Sharp, so we we got, yep. <laughs> got
0: that going for him. More minutes than Shaden Sharp. And more minutes than Shaden Sharp last year and the year before that and the year before Sorry. that and the year Why before that. <laughs> Tee it up, baby! Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, then we have Norvell Pell. Um, he <laughs> is the The senior resident of these three signings. He is a six foot ten center, um, went undrafted in the two thousand and fourteen NBA draft. He's been all over the place. He's been, you know, originally in the Sixers um, development program, which if we remember from previous episodes, uh, his time with the Sixers overlaps Sergey Oliva, the new assistant GM for the Blazers. So maybe Sergey just has some untapped love. For Mr. Norvell here, that that's a long shot, but I'm sure he is familiar with him as a player. Um, has been in bounce around the G League, has played over in Italy and some other stops in Europe, and then has been back in the G League the last couple of years. 40 NBA games under his belt. So he's 29 years old, has a very minimal experience in the NBA, but you know, a big body has played professionally overseas and here. So um I think this just screams another. Center and training camp is is really what this feels like um, to make sure you're not burning out Drew Eubanks and Yusuf Nurkic. Um, Then finally, this is a player that I think is the most interesting um, for the Blazers, and that is Isaiah Miller. He's a six foot guard, played in the Timberwolves G League system last year. Um, In the G League, averaged sixteen point one points per game, only a thirty two point four percent three point shooter last year in the G League, which is a step up from his college numbers. He shot in the 20s in college. Um, He played for UNC Greensboro, started 80 games over four years. Here's where it gets interesting for me, and I think this is why they signed him. He won the Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Year three times in college. So clearly someone who gives a shit on defense. Mm -hmm. And he won the Southern Conference Player of the Year twice. So this is a person who's used – to a feature role, and he's used to working on both ends of the floor. Now, granted, the Southern Conference isn't really known to be, you know, a college basketball powerhouse, but this is a player that was very clearly a leader on his team and someone that, you know, really played hard on both ends of the floor to the point where, you know, winning three Defensive Player of the Year awards is is pretty impressive. I don't care what conference you're in. So I do think – I don't know. I don't know what this tells us about where the Blazers think they need to address positions on this team. Is there anything to read from these signings or is this just getting some, a couple defensive oriented guys, some size in camp?
1: Yeah. I think the Pell signings purely a size play, right? You hit on it with, they don't want to burn out. The guys will actually see the court. guys are professional probably won't be around. I'm with you. I think Miller's the most interesting option out of the, out of the three. Um, you know being six foot in the NBA is, is is tough um but i think guys like you know alvarado for the pelicans have shown there is a place for a a high energy you know kind of spark plug defensively in the league it's a long shot yeah, i think that he even gets a two-way but i think it's cool that out of the three he's the one i'm most excited they brought in um, yeah, as far I... as the construction of the team i think it's just they just need some more bodies man and they got I think that Pell is the second tallest guy that will be in camp. So that's good at 6'10". So that was need a little height there. Yeah, I I don't
0: think – I think it just kind of shows, you know, what what they might be doing as far as, like, an energy preservation standpoint as far as you want to bring in a couple guards. You don't want to burn out Dame in camp. Um, You (laughs) also, you know, you have some of your more veteran players and Gary Payton as well. So you bring in those guys and really just kind of test some of the younger players. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then I, yeah, I I agree totally on Pell. And also I think the reason why you don't see necessarily a wing player here is I think there's going to be plenty of competition at that forward spot. um, The small forward spot already. I don't think you want to, you know, murky those waters up any more than they're probably already going to be. You already have one completely unproven player showing up to camp to play on the wing and in shade and sharp, assuming he plays in camp. So anyway, Let's talk about someone who is definitely going to be on the Blazers regular season roster and for the foreseeable future. And that is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard in the headlines for all the right reasons here in the last couple weeks or or the last week um, hosted the formula zero camp out at Beaverton. So this is 20 top high school players, 20 elite college players come out. They go through, you know, skills, drills, and then also I think the big part of this that that I really find interesting is what Damian Lillard is trying to instill in these players as far as an attitude and mentality and coming to the NBA where, you know, let's face it, these players have probably been the best players on their high school teams, on their AAU teams, and they're about to go into a situation if they stay on their current trajectory where they're going to play on a team where they might not be the best player. They might not even be in the top, you know, five, 10 players on their team. Mm -hmm. So it's about that mentality (laughs) of learning how to address your personal life and those expectations that people put on you. And then also how to overcome adversity when talent is no longer the equalizer. Like you need to dig deeper than that. It comes down to routine. It comes down to work ethic and, and really just saying, all the right things. Not only does he say the right things, he he walks the walk with his commitment to Portland and, and really his own NBA journey. So um, got a lot of praise. John Calipari made it a point to, to give it a yep. shout out. Um, before we get into who was there, um, Brian, any thoughts on, you know, adding to what Dame said?
1: I just think it's really unique that he took that approach and, and really prioritized the mental side of things. I think that that really is what separates, you know, the guys that make it in the league and the guys that don't. And so for him to really try and bring that out of these young players was really unique and just really cool and speaks to him as a person. I think that he's done enough in the community that his brand is kind of being a hardworking guy, loyal, you know, we, we've heard all those, all those kind of tropes about Dame, but it really is true. I, I, I think this just further proves that actually this is who he is and, and he wants to give back. And and he's a guy who can speak to, you know, the mental side, take him to where he is today. He's not the most talented guy or the most most skilled guy, but he's got there through everything and how mentally tough he is. So I'm just really happy for him. And, you know, it's a good look. Let's just say that. As soon as you think he can't really do anymore. more, for the community and for for other guys he comes out and does something like this. And it's really special.
0: Man's more than a Modelo commercial. Let me tell you. So I'm just, I'm inspired. (laughs) I'm inspired, but also too, it was fun to see some of the people who showed up to help Dame at this camp. Um, If you know me and you've listened to me, right. Talk about the Blazers in the last few years, you know what a huge Chris Kamen fan I am. (laughs) Um, So we had a Chris Kamen in the flesh sighting, um, helped out was was a coach at camp you know hell I was ready to throw a jersey on him and you know why why sign Norvell Pell when you can get Chris Kamen in camp you know I don't laugh up They'll laugh it off I think it'd be perfect um also I just love that those two have stayed in, in contact like if you remember av- after the big roster change and you know the LaMarcus Wesley Batum you know Rolo leave it, you know it's kind of Chris Kamen and Damian Lillard is kind of the most established players on that roster. I mean, Gerald Henderson mm-hmm. as well. But I love that they're still in contact. So Chris Kamen was there. Uh, former Blazer Evan Turner was also there, um, which I believe Evan Turner piggybacked on to the Kelly O'Linick wedding right after that. So just, just a full Northwest weekend for Evan Turner, a guy who's not allergic to a good time. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, too. And then uh, Anthony Simons also there, uh, former coach David Vanderpool, Dame's, you know, trainer, coach, Phil Beckner also there. And then current Suns forward, Mikhail Bridges continues his traveling tour with Damian Lillard. So if we remember, Mikael Bridges also went to the Weber State workouts uh, last year, stayed with Dame down in Ogden, uh, when all those players got together. Now, I don't know if this is a, a Dame relationship thing, or I would assume Mikael Bridges also relies upon Phil Beckner for uh, for uh, uh, his training and some coaching in the offseason. Um, so of those players, I guess, who are you more excited to see with Dame back in Portland? Is it Evan Turner, Chris Kamen, or David Vanderpool? I'll give you those choices.
1: I love, that. I love Evan Turner, man. Give me ET all day. Mm-hmm. he's just cold hero for portland didn't quite work out on the court like we thought it would but the guy came here got paid and had some classic elevator moments uh if you remember that video <laughs> from way back in the day when they got stuck in the elevator so i love it they're still buds and but you can't complain about it chris came sighting either man no. i mean nope the guy's a legend nope no uh i i wasn't Evan turner the
0: guy who had like the the garbage truck guy crash into his into his yeah. house and stuff yeah Yeah. Just, I I think if Evan Turner's contract is just a little bit different, I think his entire legacy in Portland is completely different, but um, Mm. you know, unfortunately GM bro gave him a a pretty sizable contract and kind of just changed his expectations. So anyway, cool to see formula zero camp in Portland. Hopefully it becomes a reoccurring theme. Uh, You love seeing Dame build relationships with incoming players. Um, and even some current players maybe in Mikhail Bridges. So awesome to see. So let's talk about, you know, Dame's definitely establishing his legacy. Let's talk about a player that's maybe moving in the opposite direction. And that is Kevin Durant. Now this isn't directly tied to the Blazers. Um, I'm going to be very clear. I don't think the Blazers want to have the ammunition to to go and get him compared to some of the other offers the Nets might receive. And number two, I don't think they should. <laughs> So so ju- just judging on recent history um so Kevin Durant has you know really like doubled tripled quadrupled down on this trade demand just when you think the off season is dead this guy makes sure that his name gets back in the news so um according to Shams Charania um I believe is who who started the reporting on this uh Kevin Durant has met with ownership he has said you know he still very much wants out of Brooklyn or he they have to get rid of a coach that he asked for and Steve Nash. Steve Nash's got to go, and Sean Marks, the GM, has got to go. Um, and really, no surprise, not that anybody gives a shit at this point, but Kyrie Irving's echoed the same sentiment, but uh, you know, not really the same thing. Um, it's just crazy to me that you know, it's not uncommon for players to make trade demands, but how. Kevin Durant has handled it how he's so prickly in the media and and frankly just uh, comes across very sensitive to a lot of this stuff um for him to be such an elite player all time and we're talking about top five offensive player of all time as far as being gifted at what point does this start to impact Kevin Durant's legacy long term uh I, I mean, it's just hard for us because we get to look through, you know, rose-colored glasses with, with having Damian <laughs> Lillard here. But, I mean, what do you make of this whole KD
1: situation? This thing's wild, man. Like, Brooklyn even being in this position is – it seemed like such a win when they had Harden, Irving, and Durant coming in. Now Harden's obviously gone. Then Ben Simmons is a whole another conversation. Mm. Irving's gone off the flat earth. And then Durant is just – like, you, you even left out all the uh, – Twitter stuff and mm-hmm. you know how he had the burners and going back and forth with fans mm-hmm. I think the start of his kind of and I don't know if this really I don't know if I'd call it legacy but the way he's viewed really changed as soon as he went to Golden State mm-hmm. and so this guy could have used probably the Formula Zero camp about 15 years ago <laughs> to, to just get him and, or maybe a PR guy I don't yeah. know dude but for, for such a talented great great player I can't think of a guy that's almost kind of single-handedly, you know, marred his legacy aside from, you know, some off the court, like, you know, I don't want to get into like the Ron Artest and stuff, but just as far as an elite elite player who's soured the public's perception on him as much as Durant has managed to do to do so, especially in the last probably five, seven years, something like that. Do you ever wonder, this is my half brain
0: theory. This is the half-baked theory right here. Here it comes. Brilliant. I don't know if someone's ever mentioned this before. I'm sure, you know, probably has been. But I wonder if it's just kind of a circumstance of how Kevin Durant came into this league. Like, it, it's hard for, I would imagine it's hard for a player to understand loyalty. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant doesn't. I'm sure he's a, a very loyal in his personal life and leaving it at that. Um yeah but I don't want to make a huge character judgment is what I'm getting at. I'm not, there's no secret message there. Um, But as far as when it comes to the NBA, he came to a team that he quickly realized the franchise and the ownership does not have to be loyal to the city it's in. (laughs) So, you know, Seattle moves to OKC. And I mean, maybe that's just a lesson that you learned so early on that, you know, why would I have to be loyal to a franchise when a franchise isn't loyal to its city, to its fans? So I wonder if that, you know, changes your wiring upstairs and and then we just get back into the whole what if situations if if Portland would have picked differently at the top of that draft but I I just can't think of a player that is at his level that has you know really done so much of this in the public eye yes LeBron James has jumped around and you know from Cleveland to Miami back to Cleveland and now with the Lakers but at least LeBron won titles and they were his teams. Now I think Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant was the best player on a couple of those uh, golden state teams, but I don't think it was ever Kevin Durant's team. I think that was all his Steph's team. And I think that does change perception a little bit on it. Um, I just really think this is going to, for a generation, really change Katie's legacy, but eventually as you get farther removed, I mean, his stats are going to be so insane and, you know, some of his production and you'll be able to look and say, Oh, he's got titles. Um, you know, the basketball reference generation, a generation or two down the road, will probably view him much differently. But I think for people our age, I think this is really actively hurting his legacy and how he's viewed in top 10 lists and an all
1: time lists. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just literally in the multiverse, this is the worst path the Nets could have possibly been okay. on. <laughs> and, the, and the fact that like Joe size out there now, just saying I support, you know, coaching staff in the front office is just absolutely hard to believe. I think Joe size, a billionaire is tired of eating shit here and he's, yeah. you know, he's digging in. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I think that his, his career marks will be so outrageous that, I think as time goes on, people forget about all the Twitter barbs and the media stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think that hopping around teams, we are in the player empowerment era. I think that's, you know, for better or for worse. I'm pro-labor, man, but makes for a worse product But when it comes to the NBA. But just with the player empowerment, I think guys are going to be jumping around more. Maybe in 15 years, kind of what he's done isn't that out of the ordinary. But only time will tell as far as that goes.
0: Yeah, I I really think... You know, w- when you talk about labor and stuff, you know, I'm also pro labor, but I really think you're you're going to see the pendulum swing back at some point. And I, I wonder how the player union is going to respond or, or what this means for the future of the NBA, because I would imagine, you know, the next CBA is really going to focus on how to remedy some of this and, and mm-hmm. the and the ownership group or the the governorships are going to want to take some power back. But I just don't know what that looks like um or, or you know do these players box it up and create their own league or or you know what does that look like but that that's a story for another day and people who know way more about the situation than i do
1: um i gotta go, i gotta go back to one thing you you mentioned that the we're jumping on this topic mm-hmm. you wanted nothing to do with the guy you wouldn't bring him to portland
0: i, I do. here's my thing as a player absolutely i think it puts the blazers on the map to be a legit title contender i think you put a player like that next to to damian lillard here's the thing i just don't know like if he's not happy in brooklyn i mean i don't know what what makes me i don't know what makes me think or or am i just fooling myself you know that that he would somehow be happy here he would finally find happiness here in portland like what do the Blazers do if they finally you know pull the trigger on all those future picks and they send out all that capital? You already have Dame under contract with, with a contract that could fate you know border on the unfavorable side here real soon, um, you know, down the road. So now you have a situation potentially where Kevin Durant asks out in a year, maybe two years, and you you know his value is going to continue to diminish. Um, especially if he has another messy trade demand. So now you're not going to get the pick compensation back. And you have aging Damian Lillard and limited cap flexibility. I just don't know how that's that's a situation for success for the Blazers. Also, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant here, you know, puts him in the conversation to be a contender, but I don't know if it makes them the clear-cut best Western conference team. And, and really at this point in the game, with what that would do to you salary-wise. How, how do you make sure you're building around, you know, after the pieces go out? Like, how are you building a roster around that? You know, the, the veteran minimum contracts, those guys have already kind of found a home already. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I see the point. I see why you would want Kevin Durant. I just have zero faith at this point that it would be a situation. I'm going to be happy with 18 months from now.
1: This, and this is a purely theoretical conversation, right? Neither of us mm. think plays are getting involved or have the, have the assets to get involved. But if you get him, I think you got you got to go out and get the guy, dude. T- pair up Dame and KD, and you worry about it later. You kind of, you know, with Dame's contract going out another five years or whatever, and Durant's got another four on his, I think, and it might be six and four, whatever. I think that you're so locked into Dame's kind of timeline anyway, for better or for worse, that bringing in – a superstar you know while he might be aging is still an absolute superstar i think you do it in a heartbeat and you know every single move you make is risk reward right mm-hmm. this is oh, it would be a whole lot of risk to bring that guy out of this team but man the reward of him playing at a level he did last year i think makes it worth it but i don't think yeah. we're gonna have to worry about it no no i I, <laughs> think, I think do you think they get out do you think they trade him I don't
0: know. I'd It'd be really interesting to see the Nets' ownership just really put their foot down and make them eat it. Just go, you know what? You're going to be here. And if you don't want to play, you're not going to get paid. So, hey, well,
1: if, he, if he needs to know how to get out of some games, he's got Ben Simmons to, Jesus. to talk to. Which, did you see that story about mm-hmm. Ben Simmons leaving the Nets group yeah. chat when they asked him to play? <laughs> how, how
0: crazy is that? Like... At least he knew how to leave the group chat. Could you imagine if he's like, "Hey, how do I get out of this group chat?" (laughs) I muted
1: it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hey man, I'm trying to sleep,
1: but um, I hope he's okay. That's all I gotta say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope his mental health is you know where it needs to be. But man, what a wild story! Like I, yeah, (laughs) like with just real quick on the KD thing. I get it. You go and get a really good player to put next to Damian Lillard. I just don't trust him to. Make it even 10 games without asking for a trade out of Portland because he went to a situation in Brooklyn that he handpicked the player he was going with. They got him, he got him to sign DeAndre Jordan, they fired Kevin Atkinson. Um, you know, they catered to everything, and now you're talking about trading him to a much smaller market, um, with a team that is clearly Damian Lillard's team. Um mm-hmm. I I think that's a recipe for KD happiness to last, like I said, of 10 games and then he's probably upset and you're talking about a a, a team that the ownership situation, no matter what Jody Allen says, I don't think is figured out and you're going to toss that landmine in there and, and you're going to move a <laughs> bunch of, uh, of draft picks out. Like I get it. I want the Blazers to win a title, but I just don't think Kevin Durant and his antics is the way to go. And this is someone who like, big time advocated for like James Harden a few years ago. And I think I've learned some lessons from, from really being on that soapbox.
1: Yeah, I would do it, but I don't, to your point, like he wasn't a handpicked situation where the hell does he want to be traded to? You know, there was all that Boston smoke for a while, Mm. you know, centered around the Jalen Brown swap, but I I don't know, man. It's just like, you you had the spot. That was your spot. You screwed it up. And now you're unhappy. And it's like, where do you, where does he want to go? I don't I just truly really don't understand it.
0: I I could, I think always at the end of the day, the team that's always made sense for me um, as far as the GM that's in charge or the president of basketball operations and some of the assets they have to move out. Um, I think the Raptors are always, have always been the team for me. I, I think that's mm-hmm. the team that, that can go out and get it done and, and they can, you know they have a proven track record and they've shown that they're willing to take the risk on you know they did it with Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard why not try it with Kevin Durant um so i think that's enough for the kd talk for now um another player too that you know something we've talked about before uh Donovan Mitchell um the trade talks continue to simmer out of Utah. very much looks like they're going to completely rebuild this thing from the ground up. So they got a major draft haul for Rudy Gobert. You could be looking at them getting another big swath of, of assets. If they do move Donovan Mitchell. Um, it does sound like the Knicks are the front runner at this point. Um, sounds like there's been some pretty advanced talks, just judging by some of the framework we've heard that have come out. Um, is there anybody? So let's say Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Knicks. Obviously, the Jazz are going to pivot to to probably moving more veterans on their team. I'm not really, I, I Donovan Mitchell. I also don't know if he makes sense for the Blazers. I also don't know if the Blazers have the ammunition necessarily to to go out and get him. Is there anybody else on that roster that that kind of catches your eye? Um, I can think of one person if they do go into complete fire sale and that, and that's Vanderbilt. I think he's Mm -hmm. just from an athleticism standpoint, what Chauncey Billups wants to do with some of the big guys on this roster. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, And, and, you know, the contracts, right. Um, But really that that's about it. It's kind of crazy to just see this team that was one of the best records in the Western conference, really, you know, they're firmly turning the page on this team. So, your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell Jazz situation?
1: Uh, it's another interesting one, man. Um, as far as that Jazz roster, I'm with you. I think builds really the only guy. Um, be nice if they had a serviceable backup big that wasn't named Hassan Whiteside that they're <laughs> looking to get off. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I
0: hope he, Hassan Whiteside stays forever, and he has to play on a really bad Jazz team. Like that's just me, but you're,
1: you're hate for Whiteside. <laughs> um, but just the, just the Mitchell situation in general, man. I think it's wild just what they're reportedly asking for. I think they want, like, a bear like um, you know, return, which is four first-round picks and players and some pick swaps and all that good stuff. You know, if, if I'm Utah, I think I'm probably taking a Nick Steele center around, like, topping and quickly or topping in grimes or something, two out of the three of those guys, three or four first and just calling it in because I think that that go bear trade, you know, there's been some argument, whether that's resetting that trade market for, mm-hmm. you know, a, a perennial all-star type player, or if that was just kind of a one-off. And I think that's like a one-off man. They gave up so much for a guy of this caliber. I think people's mileage on Rudy, Rudy bear really differs. So that might be part of it, but that was so much, man. If you can get three more first and a couple of young guys, you kind of look at it in total, it's like, okay, traded trade away our two franchise pieces. We got like eight first round picks and a handful of young guys. Let's go rebuild. To me, that works because he's probably leaving Utah anyway. There isn't a blue chip young guy out there. I don't think that, you know, there is really attainable for him. And so I don't know, man. I'm surprised they're asking as much as they are, but I get it. It could be posturing and then they come down. Who knows?
0: And they, I mean, really, if, if they do get a bunch of picks, you're looking at two teams in the Northwest division where they are very much just focused on having a billion picks in OKC and Utah. So um, definitely very interesting to watch. Good for the Blazers. I mean, it does mean that one team above them uh, will more like barring something crazy will be moving down in the standings and the Blazers should be moving up, but we're going to get to that at the very end of the show. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is it's that time of year where these position rankings are coming out and hoops, hype position rankings is something I always pay attention to every offseason. So I just want to run through what we know as of right now, we're recording on a Tuesday. Um, so there's point guards are out, shooting guards are out and small forwards are out. So let's just start from the top, the obvious one point guard, Damian Lillard comes in at number five on this list. So only Trey young, Ja Morant, Steph Curry, and Luca finish in front of him. Um, You know, I would like to say he should be higher on that list. Um, I always think it's weird when I see Luca on this list, but, I mean, I guess Mm -hmm. he is a point guard. Um, I don't think there's an argument to be made against Steph. Uh, I think he's the dude, you know, just won another ring. Um, Ja looks like he's really definitely taking that next step. Trey Young is the kind of one where I'm – I don't know. I, I think Dame's I'd rather have Dame than Trey Young at this point right now, especially if Dame comes back healthy. So your thoughts on Dame at number five and, and then we'll get any thoughts on the rest of the list.
1: I, I get it. I get why he's five. He's coming off the down year with you know fighting the injury all last year and all that good stuff. And and Morant and Young are both young and ascending. So mm-hmm. I get it, but I think still if you're taking a point guard to win next year, you're taking Dame over both those guys, Morant included. Um, I think better leadership capabilities, clutch, the intangibles, all that stuff just puts him a hair above those guys. Um, but, you know, I get it. I, don't, I You don't have too much to quibble with him being five. At least he's above Kyrie Irving, right? He yeah, <laughs> <So, laughs> was at seven, which is kind of strange. Yeah, but, um, yeah I, I think Dame's coming out hot this year, man, and I, and I think by the end of the year, he'll be looked at as the third-best point guard in the league. I have no qualms with Luka and Curry being ahead of him, for sure.
0: I will say this. I, I, again, I'm not too upset about where Dame is. I, I think he can outplay that position. I think he can maybe slip a little bit in these rankings. Who knows? Depends on how he comes back from the injury, which I think he will come back very strong from it. Mm-hmm. What I don't agree with is if I was a Bucks fan, I'd be freaking out because Jeru Gir- Holiday at number 10 is just like borderline criminal for me. Like that guy Agreed. is so good on the defensive end, what he can do. And he, you know, he's just, I mean, not as clutch as Dame, but like when you need a big shot, Drew Holiday can go and get it. Um, it's just crazy to see how he's, you know, basically through his whole career has just been underrated. I think he's one of the best defensive guards in an era where defense is not emphasized. Um mm-hmm one of the best players that last decade at that spot. So it, it's just always wild to see him, you know, underrepresented in all of these lists. Um,
1: yeah. You're going to take Kyrie over holiday next year or yeah. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't touch that at all. And I think James Harden was on that list too. So it's like, as a point guard, i yeah. like, I'd take Drew over James Harden right now, any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, I think
1: Harden's at seven and Kyrie's at eight. And then your boy Simmons is at uh 16. Boom. Ben Simmons
0: left the group chat. (laughs) All right. Uh, Shooting guard. Uh, We have Anthony Simons on this list at number 16. Now that being said, even in the article on hoops hype, they talk about how of the players in that range, Anthony Simons has the biggest potential to really outplay that rank. He's got a super high ceiling. Uh, They mentioned, you know, the benefits of playing next to Damian Lillard and how that's helped advance CJ McCollum's career. Um, You know, I believe it. I I think we've seen flashes of it. I think the Blazers had such a weird year last year. He still found a a way to put up numbers and and really was the best player for the Blazers, you know, most nights. And and I think that's going to be super useful as he takes a more, you know, a, a feature role this next year, especially on the offensive end. So your thoughts on Anthony Simons at number sixteen on Hoops Hype's rankings of shoot shooting guards.
1: Yeah, he's right ahead of Lou Dort, um, right behind Jalen Green. So if if he's the sixteenth best shooting guard in the league this year, we might be in a little trouble. Um <laughs> he, he go you know, I think realistically, I think he really could land at that eleven twelve spot, like let's say next year or something, I think Jordan Poole's at 11, which is kind of an interesting comp because st- statistically, they're extremely similar. I think Poole has more of a resume of playoff performance and and you know winning with, with Golden State. But biggest thing holding up Simons, in my opinion, is just defense, right? I think he's still looked at as an absolute, you know, save on that end. So if he can tighten up defensively, I think he'll climb up this list. I expect him to outperform 16 this year.
0: Yeah, it I just comes down to defense. Like, there's a lot of fear for him on that on that defensive end. Um, offensively, I don't think anybody's really worried about what he can do, um, whether that be in a primary role when Dame's on the bench, or, or you know, playing off of Dame and more of a catch and shoot. He's shown he's got accuracy and, and he right. can carry at volume. I did find it interesting that there's a couple recently former Blazers that were on this list. So Anthony finishes above Norman Powell, um, who was near the tail end of the list. Um, and
1: notice he was listed as a two and not a yeah.
0: three. Hey, weird. <laughs> just, Obviously, crazy. Neil O'Shea was not consulted on this list. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. drafted in the same draft class, as we all know, um, as Anthony Simons a few picks later. Um, finished just above Anthony Simons on this list. I think Gary Trent Jr. is super interesting for, for the Raptors, assuming he stays with the Raptors and isn't part of a hypothetical trade for Kevin Durant. But um, you know, cheaper contract at this point. Um, the the Raptors really don't have a ton of shooting. They have they have a lot of, you know, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananubi. Um, I think he just fits a, a role there that's gonna be super useful for them. Um, and again, I think he plays just a little bit more defense, where we've seen him play a little more defense than we've seen Anthony Simon. So that probably explains his spot on the list. Not that contract yeah. really matters here. And then, of course, we have to mention uh, CJ McCollum, longtime shooting guard for the Blazers, uh, finishes at number eight for the New Orleans Pelicans. So inside the top 10. Um, any thoughts on those guys?
1: Um, yeah, cool to see Trent on there. Um, just a couple spots ahead, and I think you're exactly right. The defense was the kind of the indicator there why he was hired. What did you think of uh, Donovan Mitchell at two? I mean, two, I, two. I, maybe I'm just not as, as sold on Mitchell as some other people, but to I me, it, I, I would rather have Bradley Beal. I think I'd rather have probably even Anthony Edwards at this stage. Um, there are a handful of guys I'd, I'd take. About Donovan
0: Mitchell. Yeah, of the players that are kind of right behind him, I, I'm the same. I, I think Anthony, our Anthony, Anthony Edwards is that dude. I, I think he is. He, I think he's still, you know, maybe a couple years away from really being that. But man, I think he's athletically. I think he's there now. With with Donovan Mitchell, I think what you a lot of people do, and maybe I don't credit it enough, is going back a couple post seasons and just seeing what he was able to do. Um, yeah and really he looked like a a person who could be an alpha on, on a team that could make the western conference finals even though they didn't make it that far but um he definitely looked that part when he when it's clicking and you know who knows how weird the situation got with utah and maybe that's weighing down some of it it depends on what situation he ends up in if he does get traded you know if he ends up like with the Miami Heat or something, or, or even the Knicks, I, I think he could really play up to that spot. But it does seem a little high.
1: Yeah, um, they had they had him in front of Jalen Brown, who they last visited too. I'd take Jalen over over Mitchell for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean from a team aspect, yeah, I would take Jalen. <laughs> um, so then the, the last position we're going to talk about is small forward. This was a little surprising to me um, to see Josh Hart ranked um at number 19 uh credit to you brian this is something you've been preaching about when we talk about josh hart is his rebounding ability it's something that is mentioned here um i believe in the article they mentioned he rebounds like someone who's a foot taller than than he actually is um but uh man i i sometimes i think we we underrate just because it was, it was so brief when he was when he did play here, and it, the roster was so awkward. He's never suited up with Damian Lillard. Um, I think Josh Hart is going to be. I think he's going to recapture everybody's imagination this year. I think he's going to be a fan favorite just because one, he's got the personality. Two, he's got you know a playing style that on paper should fit really nicely with this team. Um, mm-hmm. Just wild to see the Blazers with with a small forward on the list. Uh, a position that, you know, me and you both talk about maybe is up for grabs in training camp. Yep. Um, your thoughts on Josh
1: Hart at number fifth, number 19, sorry. 19. Uh, no, I was super excited to see him on there at 19. I had a sneak day, um, who somebody well, I'm really high on. Um, and that doesn't, that might not seem super high, like when you just hear, oh, 19th best small forward in the, in the NBA. But when you tack on who we've cycled through that small forward position, who the Blazers have worked through year after year trying to kind of fill that hole. And then when you really just look at who's slotted in as a small forward, you know, they have Kawhi, Durant, LeBron. I mean, they have a, they kind of even Tatum guys who play up a position probably as often as not are listed as three. So it's truly a loaded, loaded group. And so that 19 is actually really impressive for, for Josh Hart to land there. Um you kind of hit on it, but I, I think he's primed to have a huge year with us. I think a lot of the things he does will complement everybody else on the roster extremely well, and I don't think he's going to come into this year shooting fire out his ass like we did last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he shot the ball so so well with Portland <laughs> last year, but yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, sustainable. But everything else he does and brings on a night to night basis, I think he'll be uh, not only a huge contributor but a real fan favorite. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um... I, I think it's worth noting that, you know, someone that a lot of people here in Portland daydreamed about um, OG Anunoby, only finished seven spots ahead of Josh Hart at number mm-hmm. 12. Um, interesting to see where he landed. And then I think Jason Tatum was number one on this list, I believe for small forward. So yep. um, looking ahead, we don't know these lists as of right now. I don't know when the power forwards will come out. Um, do you think the Blazers will have, another top 10 player in these rankings whether it be power forward which we assume Jeremy Grant would be the the person for the Blazers on that list then of course Yusuf Nurkic at center do you think they'll have another top 10
1: player I think Nurk sneaks in maybe that 8 to 10 range 7 to 10 something like that uh, hopefully he doesn't get dinged for help especially last year when he clearly shut it down yeah <laughs> so it's just a to tank but I think Nurk slips in I think Grant's going to be closer um, I think he has a better shot than maybe he would have if they would have just the way they slotted guys in, right? Like I just mm-hmm. mentioned some of those dudes who yep. play a lot of four that were slotted as threes. You know, I don't know how many true fours are really left. And so mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say two, man. I think I think Grant and Nerd both sneak in, Steve. Yep.
0: I I think so too. I think Nurk's a lock. I think when you're looking at true centers in this league, I think he is surprisingly much higher on the list than than we all think. Um, Jeremy Grant will be interesting. Like you said, it does help how they structure the small forward list. Um, I'm interested to see, how, you know, how, where do they put, you know, a Carl Anthony Towns in this list this year? Like where, yeah. where does he end up? But I mean, that's just really kind of just one name. So um, I like, I like their chances. I for sure one, potentially two. I think both will make it, which when you look at it that way, hoops, high, you know, potentially three players inside the top 10 at their respective positions. That probably should be a playoff team, mm-hmm. but ESPN's win loss rankings <laughs> came out today, which just is, I want to preface it with this. Kevin Pelton has talked about this at length in the, you know, in previous years, this win loss ESPN projection is always brutal for the Blazers. It always comes in much lower than, than what we all expect. So according to their, their list that came out today, they have the Blazers at number 10 in the Western conference with a 35 and 47 record, Brian, give me your thoughts. Is it time to, to get upset and head to Connecticut and go to the ESPN offices and demand a change or, or is this just more of
1: what we've already seen before? This is a annual tradition to see these projections come out and Hey, last year they were, they were pretty right. We, uh, we didn't meet it, but to your point, he's talked about it. Portland always get, gets kind of beat up in these things. Um, I'm surprised. Cause I mean, the, I think the Vegas over under is like 41 and usually Vegas is pretty, you know, close, with some market factors in there or whatever, but to to project them to come in six wins under what Vegas has in that is, is pretty wild. Um, mm-hmm. And only an eight game improvement over last year. When you're talking about adding Jeremy Grant, Nurk actually playing, Simon's playing a full season and Dame coming back. I think there's shortness here, Steve. I uh, I think we're going to have more than 35 wins would be my prediction relative to these these forecasts
0: Here, here's my thing i i think they are going to have more than 35 wins but really would you look at these ro- the the rosters and the teams that are in front of them if everybody's at full strength cuz we're just going to assume the blazers are going to be at full strength too i there's just not a lot of gimmies for me on this list of bl- teams that i'm like oh absolutely the blazers will go around them i mean just let's mm-hmm. look at the nine teams in front of them and assume they're all at full strength the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the Denver Nuggets, Memphis Grizzlies, Los Angeles Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, Minnesota Timberwolves with Rudy Gobert now, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are an upcoming team going to get Zion Williamson mm-hmm. back, and then the Los Angeles Lakers, who still have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, a new coach. Who knows what happens there? I, there's not a team in front of the Blazers here that I'm like absolutely 100% the Blazers will go around them. Now, it, something unforeseen is always going to happen, but man, it, it just doesn't really strike me. Uh, I, I, the wins seem low, but the place in the Western Conference is surprisingly more probable than I'd like to admit is what I'm getting
1: at here. Yeah, that jumped off the page of me too. Is that it's going to be a dogfight in the West? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the records they have will actually be a little flatter. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly, I actually looked at last year's like one through ten and and where they have everybody ranked as far as wins is pretty similar to last year, with the exception of Golden State won sixty four or sorry, Phoenix won sixty four last year. and They're slated for fifty six, but. That's a huge drop-off between Portland at 10 with 35 wins and L.A. um, at 9 with 42. And even from 7 to 8, 49 wins for the Timberwolves and 43 the Pelicans. I think it's going to be flatter. I think down the stretch you're going to have teams jockeying in those last six positions maybe and just kind of going back and forth. But I'm also with you, man. You you look up and down, you're like, holy shit. This conference is absolutely loaded. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to remember, you know, game at his top top level which he's shown is, is such a you know talent that um, I'd be surprised and I'd, I'd be shocked if with the healthy squad we finish 12 games under 500 or even I'd be a little surprised if we finish in that 10th spot I think we'll find a way to at least crawl into that We'll say at least nine, which isn't really saying much.
0: No, I I think, I think, you know, something always happens. Teams drop out, expectation change, you know, maybe how a roster is built suddenly doesn't make sense anymore. And you got to tear it down and rebuild Um, that's going to happen. And the Blazers are in position to move up, but also, I mean, the Blazers are in that same boat too. Maybe something doesn't work how this roster is constructed you know, mm-hmm. maybe Chauncey Billups isn't a good coach. We still don't know. Like, I mean, he he. there was no, zero expectation last year. Um, you know, you're bringing in a, lo- a lot of new pieces and, you know, some old pieces and new roles. Um, who knows? Like, I mean, if you're going to assume somebody else is going to get injured, you have to assume the same can happen to the Blazers. Um, if you assume a team's construction isn't going to work, you have to assume it's also going to happen to the Blazers. And that's where it gets tricky for me. Like I said, there's just not a team I can point to that's in front of them right now on the standings that I'm like, absolute lock. I don't like this team. The Blazers will pass them. Um, if you give everybody the same you know, criteria that you're giving the Blazers, the same benefit of the doubt yeah. you're giving the Blazers. Um, I will say this though, as far as the win-loss record, if we throw out last season, the previous three years before that record-wise, now granted some of these are wonky because of COVID, but 42 and 30, 35 and 39, and then 53 and 29. So, you know, they're well above that 35 and two out of those last three seasons. And I think the Blazers roster is on par with that, you know, going Mm -hmm. forward.
1: Were there any teams that, John, I I agree with you. There's no easy pick as far as who could maybe drop, but is there anybody above Portland? And you you saw their projected win-loss record and it kind of made you go like, "Eh, that seems a little little rosy yeah
0: i think we're they're really banking on that this timberwolves thing is going to work and Mm -hmm. and i'll be interested to see like i think it's going to be a huge uh test case Uh, now i do think rudy gobert i mean is a perennial defensive player of the year option i think they could be a very good regular season team so that that record does make some sense to me um that That's kind of the first team that jumped out. Also, I think the the Mavericks, I, I think Luca is yeah. an MVP candidate this year. But it's another team where I don't know what their supporting cast really is. Like I, I understand the Christian Wood move, but you know losing Jalen Brunson is a big deal for them. And I'm really interested to see how they can, you know make sure they they maintain a a foothold you know, in the top half of the Western conference and really just by I mean, even here, they're outside of home court advantage, but you know, they're in the conversation, they're knocking on that door. And then of course, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers, it really just comes down to health and veteran attitudes there. Um, <clears throat> you know, do, does Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play and do they play together for a long period of time? And then really with the Lakers is can Anthony Davis stay on the floor? Um, but, again, if you're giving everybody the same benefit of the doubt that you're giving the Blazers, sure, sure. it's hard to pick it that way. But there's definitely teams here that, that are primed to, to run into some roadblocks.
1: Yep, yeah, I was I was with you on the Timberwolves, you know, to be seen if that works. I do think they'll be a pretty good regular season team. I just think they might struggle like Utah did a little bit in the playoffs with Gobert and get playoff court. With you on Dallas, too, uh, the Christian Wood thing has to work for them to get to 49-33, yeah. in my opinion. Luka might take another step. You know, maybe he's good enough to get him almost 50 wins by himself, but I think that was one that kind of stuck out for me. Uh, the Nuggets at 53 and 29, I think kind of the the checks are getting due on, on Murray and Porter, and they've really lost some depth. And so if those guys struggle or or maybe, you know, Porter continues to you – know, he, he's had nagging injuries the entire time, right, and hasn't really stayed healthy for for prolonged stretches. So if he misses time, I think they could be in a little bit of trouble. Jokic probably gets some pretty close to fifty by himself, but that's a mm-hmm. team to watch. And then, for me too, they have the Suns up top, and we kind of talked about the Suns already. And some of them might be some weird vibes going on there, man. Yeah. Chris Paul's another year older. Um, you know, Devin Booker's obviously firmly in his prime and a really good player, but how that Aiden situation looks and, and Bridges being there too, they, they should be tough. But and they, and they still and
0: have to is, navigate Cam Johnson's minutes and him looking for yep. a contract as well.
1: Yeah. And so that's another team that maybe, you know, they they were absolutely on fire last year. Maybe they regress a little bit back to the middle of the pack, but I still think they're top four for sure in the West, but that that's a team that can maybe slip a little bit too. So just a couple, couple teams I saw that might be a little on the rosier side rather than Portland. So, you know,
0: I, I said that there's not a team in front of the Blazers. If you give them the same benefit of the doubt, you know, I don't see them jumping past. On the same side, on the good news side, is the five teams below the Blazers, if you hold them (laughs) to the same criteria, I don't see them coming past the the Blazers either. Um, I think obviously the biggest threat and the the team closest to the Blazers in the wins column here is the the Sacramento Kings at 34 wins. But the Kings will find a way to screw it up. They always do. Um, I but outside of them, I mean, you're, you're talking to jazz who are very clearly on a different trajectory. Now the thunder mm-hmm. are still a few years away. The spurs have finally embraced a rebuild. And then the rockets are kind of in that thunder range where they're a few years away. Um, I don't really see any of those teams, you know, finding a way past the blazers. I don't think you gotta, you know, be checking your mirrors too much. If you're the blazers, I think you're firmly looking ahead. If, if you're looking at these rankings.
1: I'm I'm with you. I just hope that karma doesn't strike with the Kings. We've talked so much shit about the Kings franchise yeah. on this pod. That, what if it, what if this is the year it finally comes together, Steve, and they and they you know snag that ten spot? And we're sitting there watching the play at home again. Like shit, this sucks. Nope. I really don't think it'll happen. We're nope. not we're not. The, I, I don't think we could even we could break the uh, Kings curse. So we're probably. Mm-hmm. Probably not right
0: shape there. Death, taxes, and the king screwing this up. I like. I really. <laughs> I'm. I'm not scared at all. Um. So anyway, kind of a long show today. We're we're happy to be back. Um. We appreciate everybody who's returning to listen to us. Uh, it was a much needed break for us, even though we did have one that went into the ether. Um. It was nice to kind of recharge, and uh, get ready for you know kind of a lead up because training camp is not going to be too far away. Um, we're already into August. Uh, we know what the camp roster is going to be looking like. We still got a few lean weeks ahead of us, but we're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about a training camp. We're going to be talking about actual basketball before too long. So thank you again, Brian, anything before we get out of here?
1: Ah, uh, man. Good talking to you. Yeah, you.
0: All right, buddy. That's it. Um, shout out to Ross Warstel, a loyal listener, um, moving on his career, um, you know, new greener pastures. Uh, Also the founder, operator, chef behind Roscoe's Hot Sauce. You can follow them on Instagram. All the ingredients are grown in Oregon. It's crafted, cooked, bottled, shipped out of Oregon. So if you are a hot sauce connoisseur, head over to Instagram, check out Roscoe's Hot Sauce. They seriously have something for everybody. Like I like a lot of heat. He's got stuff that I'm even scared of but he also has stuff that's got a ton of flavor. He's got stuff that my wife likes who does not really like hot sauce. So definitely check it out. We love you, Ross. Congratulations on your career change. Um, we're excited for you, bud. Um, that's all we got this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy pod. We'll see you next week.